Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, everyone involved in agriculture needs to better communicate the story of farming. That from Cam Dahl, the general manager of Manitoba Pork. He says the sector needs to work together to dispel the myths surrounding modern agriculture. An article circulated through community newspapers examines the connection between farmers and the prove it generation and the need to better communicate the role of new technology in meeting the need for food. Dahl says while people trust farmers, they don't necessarily understand or trust what they do. The Western Canadian wheat growers have started an online petition about the federal government's plan to reduce fertilizer emissions 30% by the end of the decade. Director Jim Wickett says the groups have taken a firm stand in opposition to the proposal, saying it attempts to reduce greenhouse gases, but the actual reduction would be small and the impact on the food in Canada and globally would be significant. After the break, Cam Dahl. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Cam Dahl is the general manager of Manitoba Pork. Uh, Cam, in a recent article, you discussed the connections between farmers and the uh, quote-unquote prove-it generation. So who are you referring to when you use that term prove-it? Well, we have more and more uh, consumers that are, are really looking to, to answer that question of, of where does my food come from? And uh, they're looking to, to agriculture to, to answer those questions, but, but they're, not, they're not just willing to, to always take our statements at, at face value. Uh, they're looking for, for evidence that, uh, that we're, you know, that we, we have uh, um, uh, protocols in place, that, that we have uh, uh, standard, uh, standard practices in place, that, uh, that we have somebody from the outside of, of the industry looking at, uh, at our codes of practice and, and saying, yeah, you know what, these, these really do meet the needs of, of animal welfare and, and food safety. And, and so we need, to, we need to provide that assurance back to, back to consumers and back to our customers that we are doing the right thing. And and those of us in agriculture know that we we know that when it comes to things like the environment and animal welfare, that, that farmers are doing the right thing and that we're getting better. Um, but that's a, a message that we need to get out to uh, to our consumers, um, and more importantly, perhaps to voters, um, because they influence what uh, what kind of regulations we we get from government. It's an important uh, demographic that we're talking about here. Maybe just explain what you see as uh, what the priorities are of this segment of the population. Well, I I, I think uh, touched on that a little bit. It, environment is very high on that list, and that word sustainability that everybody loves to hate. That um, you know, are we? Are we producing our food in a, in a way that is environmentally sustainable? Are we looking to do uh, have continuous improvement when it comes to, to greenhouse gas emissions or water management or nutrient management? Uh, do we have science to back up what we're saying and what we're doing? Um, and we do. Um, you know, from from the, the hog industry's perspective, um, we're we're getting better at this all the time, and um, you know research has shown us that the, that footprint, um, you know, water management, uh, nutrient management, um, has an, it's improved over time, um, and just 
here in Manitoba, for example, you know, 90% of, of uh, our manure now is injected uh, be, uh, below the soil. So it, it's going to where plants need it and uh, minimizing any, any possibility of, of nutrient uh, leaching. So uh, we're, we're doing the right things, um, but we just have to, we have to show that. And, and we need to have those codes in place. And uh, we need to be able to go back and, and say, hey, we're doing the right things and, and here's the proof. And the other is uh, the other key key area of focus is, of course, on animal welfare. Um, consumers want to know, uh, and this isn't just Canadian consumers, it's around the world. They want to know that uh, that we're caring for our animals in the best way possible. And and again, that's uh, that's something that we we do and uh, the uh, the pork industry has the the quality assurance program and and that's being updated because the code of practice has been updated and uh, you know there's new research and and so that's being up, updated to the uh, uh, the CPE or our uh, program and you know uh, pig safe pig care is is our uh, two key parts of that that uh, help assure that food safety and and good animal welfare when you're talking about the Prove It generation, where are they getting their information from? Well, that's a really good question, and, and I, I think I, I think here, you know, those of us in agriculture sometimes we do a we do a disservice. I, you know, a few years ago I was, was talking to a national pollster, and, and he commented to me that uh, you know farmers. Farmers are one of the most trusted trusted people. Uh, politicians are at the bottom of the list. The news car salesmen are at the bottom of the list. But but uh, pol- uh, farmers are really some of the most trusted people in society. Uh, but he made a really interesting comment. He said, y- "You need to be careful because because well, the public trusts farmers. They might not really trust what you do because their image of agriculture is based on." on something from 50, 60 years ago. Um, and we don't necessarily do a good job of, of portraying what modern agriculture is. We, you know, you see advertisements with the little red barn and the cabless tractor and three chickens and two ducks in the front yard. Well, that's not modern agriculture. Um, and, and we need to do a better job of, of talking about what you know what does what does a modern hog production facility look like? Um, you know what are the measures in place to ensure animal welfare? Uh, we need to talk about uh, genetic modification and and CRISPR and precision uh, agriculture and uh, you know no till and all the things that agriculture generally is doing to to move forward. Uh, People sometimes can be concerned about new technology, and there's this nostalgia for for the old McDonald farm. Um, but in fact, it's the adoption of new technology and new techniques that are allowing us to uh, to improve our our environmental footprint, and you know, again, do the things that uh, that governments are looking for, like uh, like reducing greenhouse gas emissions. So uh, we need we need to do those of us in agriculture need to do a better job of of showcasing modern modern agriculture and and modern farming practices. What tend to be those myths that are circulating right now? Well, I think, again, it's some of that perception that, you know, the, the farm from the 1950s was 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 somehow somehow better Um, that again, that 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 small farm with with uh, a few pigs and a, a couple of cows and and some chickens and you know a quarter section of land was somehow better than than the uh, 
the the modern agriculture practices uh, to, to today, um, and and in fact, you know, that's from a sustainability perspective. That's not that's just not the case. Um, in in fact, we we know that. Uh, you know, our environmental impact is improving as we adopt modern technology. Um, we know that that the financial sustainability of those farms is improving. Uh, the 1950s farmer had a really hard life. Um, and because of growth and because of uh, increased technology and, and the move to, to modern farming practices, that's changed. And and so from, from all measures, uh, modern agriculture is doing a much better job of delivering safe food to, uh, to Canadians and, and to consumers around the world. Um, and that's something that we don't talk about enough. We too often go back to that perception of, of uh, again that that uh, that small farm, and we we need to talk more about what a what a modern o- operation looks like. It's an important topic, Cam. What is at stake for farmers, and even more importantly, their ability to produce food? And that's really the crux of of the question. This isn't, uh, you know, we're not, we're not we're not engaged in things like the uh, the CPE program, the quality assurance, um, you know, assuring animal welfare, uh, just just to feel good. Uh, politicians and, and regulators really do take their cues from the public, and and if the the perception of of modern agriculture is not accurate. Uh, then we're going to get regulations that uh, don't necessarily uh, fit with uh, with what farmers are are doing today, um, and and we saw that divide recently. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of debate in in agriculture now about uh, reductions in in uh, fertilizer use. Well, you know, some of those some of those issues and concerns are coming about because of this divide between, you know, what the public perceives agriculture to be and modern agriculture to be um, and therefore what politicians perceive it to be and and the reality and so you know if if we don't get that message out it's it's our responsibility as as leaders in in agriculture in Canada to get that message out and if we don't do that if we're not able to to communicate to to our consumers and to voters and to politicians um, on the, the steps that we're taking, um, then we're going to see regulatory action and legislation that really doesn't it doesn't fit with uh, with with uh, modern practices and is is going to be harmful to to our industry. So uh, you know it's it's really important that 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 we we talk about uh, what we're doing and why it's good for the environment and why it's good for for animal welfare. Uh, and if we don't prove that, if we don't show it, then then we're going to have somebody impose impose regulations and legislation from outside, um, and that will be bad for the industry and it will be bad for farmers. And what are the implications for the general public? Well, it, you know, Canada is uh, Canada is one of the the world's largest supplier of agriculture products, right? And and uh, we produce far more food uh, food than than we can eat. But we're we're seeing that in other parts of the world that uh, when when wrongheaded legislation comes into place, that uh, that it can be disastrous. I, I know Sri Lanka looks uh, looks to be a long ways away, but um, you know the government of Sri Lanka was convinced that if if uh, uh, 
you know, they removed all, all of modern agriculture, things would be better off. Um, you know, no pesticides, no fertilizers. Um, and it's been a disaster. It's destroyed the economy and, and uh, destroyed the, the food supply. We're seeing that in, in some parts of Europe where, you know, farmers are, are finding that these, uh, these regulations are, are, um, you know, really limiting their their ability to to produce, and and the 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 ongoing protest in in Netherlands is is an example of that. Uh, so uh, so there's there's a lot at stake for the public as well, not just from uh, uh, a revenue perspective and a, and the economy, but also from from our ability to to supply food to Canadians and and uh, consumers around the world. Thank you, Cam. Cam Dahl is the General Manager of Manitoba Pork. After the break, we'll hear from Jim Wickett, a director with the Western Canadian Wheat Growers Group, and their concerns with regards to proposed fertilizer emission reductions in a petition that they've started for farmers to sign. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Jim Wickett is a director with the Western Canadian Wheat Growers Association, an organization that is expressing a lot of concerns with the federal government's proposed fertilizer emissions reduction. Uh, Jim, we're going to be talking about a petition that's been started, but I guess, first of all, it's uh, obviously a topic that's gotten a lot of traction and uh, a lot of international attention. A few of our fellas, you know, have literally done two to three media hits a day, and they're like from Australia, England. I know uh, Gunter Yoakum, the president, did one with the Wall Street Journal yesterday. They're from all over, and people are watching this, especially, I think, the reactions that happened in the Netherlands. But the government's being very disingenuous on this whole thing and the whole process that they're using they kind of say one thing, and, and then they'll end up doing whatever they want. It, they gauge 100% of it on their voting base in the, in the urban centers. But the reality is, is the food costs are going to go up, and there's no way around it. And that 30% by the end of the decade is um, rather arbitrary. It doesn't really deal with specifics. No, they just told numbers out of air i mean a person has to really keep this in context this was not the agriculture ministry that come up with this this is the environment ministry imposing this on to the ag ministry and they don't really have the numbers they haven't done any work to get baseline numbers and then you know one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that one of the proposals is oh it's voluntary but it's tied to your agri-invest. So if you don't submit an environmental farm plan and follow along with all of these pie-in-the-sky schemes, you won't be able to use ag-invest. And ag-invest is a stopgap for droughts, for catastrophes where, you know, it's supposed to backstop your farm. And when you take another program and tie it to that, I just think that's kind of dirty pool in my opinion. Negotiations, I understand, are going on between the Dutch government and their farmers. Do you see them taking the lead on this? So if the Dutch government says, for example, that they're going to relax, maybe some of the things that they had said before, that that might have an impact here? I don't really think so. I mean, you take a look at the actions of the government already. I mean, 
you take a look at the carbon tax. It was supposed to be $50. Now what, it's going to be 170 They can talk all they want. It's all to do with urban folk gathering in, in the major cities. And uh, I think the fact this inflation thing has kind of bit them in the behind and some of those urban voters, you know, are looking at door and going, why is this so much money? You know, there's a lot of ways to do different things, but uh, everybody has to eat every day. And you can't point the finger at one sector. And then the one of the ones that drives most people crazy is they're coming down on the oil and gas sector and all this stuff for the environment. Yet so many places, Vancouver, Montreal, these places dump their raw sewage into the uh, into the waterways, and then there's nothing said about that. The coal is just one that drives me crazy every time I go to to Vancouver because you have that massive coal export facility, and all it does is export U.S. Uh, coal that's uh, highly combustible and and whatnot. And all of the ports in the United States don't allow it, so they have to export it out there, and nothing said about that. And Here's Canada exporting the U.S. coal, the high thermal coal that that China wants and burns. Now, you're gathering signatures for a petition that's on the wheat growers' website. Uh, What's the next step for farmers? As farmers, we really need to start treating the political end of things as much as we do, you know, deciding on our herbicides or our fertilizer program. Uh, We need to get more involved. Numbers count. And, uh, like, I encourage everybody, go to the website, sign that petition. Numbers are everything to this government. And how they look at it and where they poll and that, that's up. That, that completely drives this government. And so numbers count. Get involved. Engage. It doesn't matter if it's your crop commissions or whatever. This is a huge issue. And people need to push back a little bit or this is going to get pushed down your throat. Jim Wickett is a director with the Western Canadian Wheat Growers Association. This is the Agriculture News and Review for the week of August 29, 2022. Canadian farmers will produce more wheat than expected and the most canola in three years. The Statistics Canada report is the government's first official harvest estimate using satellite images and weather data to July 31st. Canada's crop production is rebounding strongly after severe drought ravaged last year's harvest, Welcome news for a world coping with stranded grain and sunflower oil stocks in Ukraine due to the war. Wheat production here is pegged at 34.6 million tonnes, 55% more than last year, making it the second biggest Canadian wheat harvest in nine years. Farmers will harvest 19.5 million tonnes of canola, up 42% from last year, in line with expectations. While farmers may not have to fill out crop production surveys in a few years' time, StatsCan indicated that it plans to stop asking those questions of farmers and will instead use satellite technology, administrative data and advanced modelling techniques to produce its crop production estimates by the year 2026. The StatsCan effort to replace surveys is known as Ag Zero. The federal agency already uses the technology to produce two of its four reports, including the one that was released this week.
Livestock producers who have been impacted by severe weather have been forced to make some tough decisions about reducing their herd size. The federal government has released an initial list of designated regions in Saskatchewan, Alberta and Manitoba where producers are eligible for the livestock tax deferral. The provision allows livestock producers who are forced to sell a significant amount of their breeding herd due to drought or flooding to defer a portion of their income from sales until the following year. To defer income, the breeding herd must have been reduced by at least 15%. The designated areas are in western Saskatchewan, eastern Alberta and southern Manitoba. The first ship carrying 23,000 metric tons of grain from Ukraine docked at the Horn of Africa port of Djibouti and will be shipped overland to northern Ethiopia. Food security experts say it is a drop in the bucket in terms of the need in areas of East Africa badly affected by deadly drought and conflict. The World Food Program said it's first shipload of grain is enough to feed 1.5 million people on full rations for a month, but 20 million people across Ethiopia are facing hunger. The agriculture sector announced it has its first autonomous manure spreader. The Case IH Trident is a combination applicator that can be run in both autonomous mode and manual mode. It allows an operator to start a task by driving the Trident to the field, establish the boundaries, and set up the autonomous mission. The operator can take care of other jobs while in the cab or leave the cab and tend to other duties. The Trident's autonomous capabilities are powered by Raven technology. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.